Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're talking about the latest DC film to hit theaters. Uh, we're going to talk about Joker. Uh, Todd Phillips film starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, and blinking you miss him, Mark Maron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so we're going to do the first part of this spoiler free for as long as we can. And we're going to give a clear spoiler warning when we get into things that you might not know, want to know about if you haven't seen the film yet. So Hopefully I don't um, mess that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, this film came out a few weeks ago, premiered a few weeks ago at the Venice film festival, received a yeah. lot of praise from critics. I think it had an eight minute standing ovation. Wow. Yeah. Um, um, you said it was Venice, right? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. But it's not just like people from Venice. <laughs> it's on. people from all over. No, I know, I know, I know. And that's what I mean. You've got an event in Venice, and you've got all of these people in the industry coming in to see this film. An eight-minute standing ovation for this movie and that environment makes sense. That's what I'm saying. Okay. You don't think it would have happened like in Carlisle? If they would have had the screening in Carlisle with people from Carlisle, yeah, maybe a few claps because everybody would maybe want to be. Maybe a few claps. Maybe a few. I mean, I mean it's Hold good, on. but still, I'm just saying. I I feel like an eight minute standing ovation is a little much for this. Hold on, can we unpack the clapping in theaters? Have you guys done the clapping in theaters before? Yes. Yes. The actors can't hear you. Don't be this person. <laughs> It's like clapping in an airplane. Like, I get it, kind of, but you don't need to do it. Okay, so the the first time I remember it happening was the first Avengers. Uh, all right. Which is such a... That was the first event film in a long time that I went to. Like, yeah. the Marvel films before that weren't really events. It was just like, hey, here's another Marvel movie. And yeah. then that was a huge event. And then I think it happened again for... <laughs> definitely not Age of Ultron. But uh, <laughs> Force Awakens, I think, was the next one that I remember mm-hmm. that happening. At. Yeah. Same here. Well, every time they've happened for me, it's been like at an event, like the special Force Awakens, like night, you know, opening night party or whatever. Like, and then they're watching it then and everyone's super excited. But like when people I... are like, I'm seeing, you know, I don't know, I'm seeing a movie on a Tuesday night with my girlfriend. Like, we don't need to clap then. Yeah. Like we got the Sunday matinee of this and paid five dollars, which is still a little bit too much for that theater. But uh, <laughs> it's a five dollar theater. But besides, yeah, but I, most I'll give them is four bucks. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I I get it for like the opening night premieres when you get the audience there. I have a yeah. feeling we're going to see a film very soon within the next com- couple weeks that that's going to happen at because of the audience that's going to be there. I'm not saying oh, yeah. I'm not saying the name this episode. Uh, Good. <laughs> um, but I feel like there are certain event films where that happens. Did that happen for you in this one? No. 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 Nobody clapped in this one. This is this feels like it's a weird one to have that happen to. And that's yeah, why, kinda, right? Yeah. 
And that's why I mentioned before about like the eight minute standing ovation, like that audience where the movie was, it was yeah. the premiere. I get it. Well, and, but... the, and you have like the cast and crew up on stage. So oh, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Without getting into spoilers, I'll list a few things that I like. Love the soundtrack yeah. to this. Uh, yes. Score and the music that they used, which I did not expect the one song, which we'll get into later. Um, the it, the film looks gorgeous. Like I love yes. I love this Gotham City. Um. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is great. He's. Oh. I think he's going to get the Oscar, but I don't know if I want him to. Why? I just, somebody's already won for the Joker. And I really do, like, if people are going to just always win awards for the Joker, I feel like it lessens the character. Are you sure? Because like, historically speaking, it sounds very similar to Hamlet. We're like, Hamlet is a very challenging role to get right. And if you get him wrong, he looks dumb. And if you get him right, he's the best character in Shakespearean anything. I feel like the Joker's similar. If you get the Joker wrong, it's kind of cringy and kind of Jared Leto. If you get him <laughs> right, it's amazing. Okay, I was going to make the Jared Leto joke. You beat me to it. Um, oh, no. No, that, that is that is. <laughs> I have to, I definitely agree with Devin on that one. To yeah. be Because I didn't think of it that way before. But now that you mentioned no, it that I, way. I, I'm with you there, too. It's just like... My main thing... And we'll get into this a little bit more with spoilers. My main thing with yeah. the Joker is he works great as a foil to Batman. And I want to see that. I I didn't need this movie. I enjoyed it. Oh. I don't need to see the Joker's backstory. I don't need just a standalone Joker film. I like the Joker when he's up against Batman and Batman has to try to stop that craziness. Oh man, we are going to disagree about this movie then. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, overall I enjoyed the film. I don't yep. know. I don't know if I'd see it again though. Not for a while. All right. So without risking seeming super like weird or like obsessed with the Joker, I would definitely, definitely buy this movie and watch it again. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. I loved Joaquin Phoenix's acting the whole time in it, but it did something that a Batman movie needs to do that I feel like the last couple of Batman movies did wrong or didn't do, and it's made Gotham City a character again. Because I think in the comics and in good versions of Batman, Gotham City is its own character, and I like that it was its own character in this. Especially with the scenery shots, like they showed you the oh, city. Yeah, they showed you the ugly areas of the city, and they showed you the good areas of the city, and it made itself a character. I, I will give you that. I did like that aspect of this film. It made Gotham Gotham much more yes. than the TV show Gotham ever did. <laughs> <laughs> Is that worth watching? By the way, um, the first few seasons, yes, and then if you want to just get crazy, in the words of Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. He, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Like once they bring Mr. Freeze, really? once they bring Mr. Freeze in and they bring Jada Pinkett back to life, it's just like, what the hell is this show? And then for some <laughs> reason, Shane West is Bane in the last season. What? Yeah. All right. All it, right. It, it gets Whatever crazy. You want to do Gotham. It gets crazy. Uh, but it, I think yeah. it's worth it. It's worth it just for uh, Donald Logue's uh, Bullock. He plays Harvey Bullock. 
and it's fantastic. Oh, interesting. Um, and then uh, Alfred's really good on there too. Um, it's the most badass Alfred that you've seen in anything. So, Even more so than in Pennywise. Was it Pennywise? Penny, Pennyworth? Pennyworth. Um, yeah. Pennywise. Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got that I, one right. I, I haven't watched Pennyworth yet. The Alfred oh. in Gotham, I am willing to bet, is an X double uh, is an X double O agent. Uh, oh, wow. He's one hundred percent. He's actually the son of the third, fourth. Third Doctor, he's the third Doctor. Sean Sean Pertree, really? That is John Pertree. Yeah, I love it. So what they need to do is do like one of the Doctor Who specials where they get all the Doctors in and get him to play his dad. I want it. I want it so bad. Yeah, he's done costumes before for like Halloween and stuff. I'm over here Aww. doing a 007 joke slash thing. With is with Alfred showing how like awesome he's he is in British Gotham, royalty. and he's... you and you bring up Doctor Who. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think they're comparable fandoms. I think they're comparable. Uh, uh, yeah, putting that on the table. Yep. You've obviously Good. never seen Doctor Who. I've tried watching Doctor Who. I can't do it. Well, I'm I'll... sorry. Is it the special effects, Ryan? I'm not meaning to be pejorative. I'm being serious. Like, is it the special effects? We have talked about this before. There is something about film rate and how a show or movie looks on a TV screen. And I can't. I don't know what it is. No, it took me a while. I know what you're talking about. Like, the way it looks, to me, when I try to watch Doctor Who, all I can think of is Mr. Bean and Mighty Python's <laughs> Flying Circus, and British comedy, and maybe the rare British TV show, like, straight TV show I've seen. Yeah. And when it comes to the monsters and the robots and everything else that happens in that show, I can't take it seriously or get excited over it because when I see the, like, robot things that look like road cones with the arms sticking out... All yeah. I can think of is that one of the Mighty Python guys are going to pop out of the top of it and start quoting Shakespeare. Like, I can't. He's at, he's at stage one of Doctor Who fandom. Yeah. It'll get him. Don't worry. Yeah. Stage one is, oh, look at how terrible this looks. We, we might stage have... five is, it's my favorite show. We might have to pull it in for, pull an episode in for the Halloween special special. Blink? I think so. I think this, that's the one I'm thinking oh. of. Is that the one oh, with boy. the angels that, like, when yeah. you're not looking at them, they move forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen half of that episode. Okay. I've seen half of it. What's and a... I... Okay, what's a better Halloween episode? Huh? Halloween themed, like horror themed. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, that is right. The Are You My Mummy? Okay, so enough about Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a movie to talk about. Yeah. I'm sorry I went off on that to begin that tirade a little bit. <laughs> nope, I'm happy. No, I'm happy you did it. No, because I love that show. Yeah, we just need to get you to watch some Doctor Who. Um, we will. It'll happen correctly. We'll 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 fix it so it's it's right for you. Okay. I feel like if you watch it on the DVDs, Good. it's not as bad. The streaming well, makes it weird. I picked it up on like the BBC channel once, and oh, well, that's uh, why. Uh, well, like a, a few times, and the first episode I saw, they were on a spaceship that was great britain because the country had to oh no and then the queen was like a a space whale i didn't get that far into it Um, oh it got worse i saw like the first five minutes and i was like oh this is interesting the country has like a spaceship 
And yeah. then I looked up other episodes on YouTube, and I'm just like, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then Peter Jackson was like, what if it's a car now? Because we all saw Mortal Engines. Yeah. Got it. Evidently, that's a book. But yeah, I heard the book's better. Could have fooled me with that trailer. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, Joker. So I gave my yes. thoughts. Devin, you gave your thoughts. Ryan, yeah. overall, what, what did you think? Okay. Um, I liked it. I did. Uh, it's yeah. definitely worth watching. I definitely like how, like, for anybody who was interested in the debate or topic of, like, the Batman characters and mental disorders, this yeah. is your movie. If that interests you, this is the movie that was made for you. Um, and that's who I was, or am. Um, I'm not sure if I'm not sure when I'll watch it again. I know I probably will because I did like it that much. But it's one of those movies that like once you've seen it once watching it again, there are certain aspects of it that really aren't as hard hitting. Yeah, sure. And I think that's why I have the same opinion that you do, Alan, just because I've already seen it. I already know that it's not it's it's not going to carry the storyline the way it did the first time. Yeah. Um. But the music, though, this is probably the first movie that I had kind of your fandom with the score because there were times where oh, I was watching was and, the, and the music was loud enough for me to like actually like realize that it was happening with with what I was watching. And um, yeah, I loved it. I really yeah. did. I mean, like, you're right. I, it was it was so good. I felt the music really fit. Like y- you could really tell what he was feeling. Yeah throughout the movie it did a good job of really bringing you into his like mentality yeah with like with every aspect of it like the camera angle the music like all of it was really like this is bringing you into him and they also use the top 40 music extremely well in this film too especially to line up the 1970s atmosphere that they were going for so i want to give the the composer credit but i don't know how to say her name any idea how to say that correctly you're going to ask the dyslexic other group. Yeah. Okay, let me look at this. It's <laughs> um, like Norwegian. So. Helder. Helder. You know what? I don't know how to pronounce this, but I've heard of her before. I, this is going to sound have ridiculous. You? I'm looking at the last name. I know I've heard it before. I'm sure it was on NPR um, for her work on something else. I feel like somebody was, she was just on uh, Chernobyl. She did Chernobyl. That's why. I was listening yeah, to the she Chernobyl, did do Chernobyl podcast. Uh, the Reverend. Um, yeah. Handmade, Handmade Tales. She did some stuff. They talked to wow. her for the, if not the podcast, for one of the shows they do on NPR. And they were talking about how she went to like an actual nuclear reactor and sat there and recorded just the ambient noises inside the wow. reactor and used that as a basis for the music in Chernobyl. She's so good at what she does. Like she, yeah. I mean, I knew I recognized her, it, even though I couldn't. We've pronounce come her a name. long way from Joker's theme music being Prince. <laughs> <laughs> we totally have, absolutely, we have. But um, I love it though. I I love the fact. Yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into okay. Yeah. So, what else can we talk about that's not spoiler related? What's so one of the big criticisms I've been hearing about it is that it's a slow movie and it's too slow to be enjoyable. I heard the first 40 minutes are an absolute slog and then it picks up. But when it picks up, it's not that much. I obviously don't share that opinion. But what are your guys' thoughts? 
I, I can see that argument. It definitely does take forever to get to the point. And it, it feels like at one point it's going to pick up speed and then it just kind of stops again. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of see that. Because um, there were points in this. I was like, okay, let's let's move it along a little bit. Like the movie's called Joker. Let's, let's see Joker. Um, but yeah, I, it wasn't that bad. I've definitely seen movies that have had worse pacing issues. Yeah. It didn't bother me that much. I was still... Yeah. What 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 drawed me into it in those slow paces was just Joaquin's Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's performance and the cinematography yeah. and just everything happening at once. Like mm-hmm. it's slow at parts, but there's still enough there to appreciate. Yeah, I mean, it's not like nothing was happening. I think. Yeah. I don't know, what I mean, do you think, Ryan? I for the first thirty minutes, I was just going, "Oh my god, how long? How long is this going to be?" You know, but yeah. To be honest, once I got past that thirty-minute mark, and I just kind of like I started picking up on what they were trying to do, and there were a few things that actually grabbed my attention when they showed some things that he had written. I'm not going to say where or when, yeah. uh, But when they showed a few things that were written to somebody who, um, uh, has dyslexia and uh, ADHD, even though I know that's overused and people just kind of like push that off to the side. I mean and seeing the things that he was dealing with and how he saw the world and how people saw him. That's what made the first half of this movie. I wouldn't say enjoyable as an, Oh my God, I loved it. But as enjoyable as an, Oh, I understand that like connecting with the character a little bit. Um, So the reason why it's, you know, it's kind of slugs around in the beginning is because it's setting up the character to show why he turned turns into what he turns into without all yeah. those slow motions and showing what happens in them, it it's not going to make any sense as to why he does what he does. Right. So, I mean, it's needed. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I, I'm with you. I didn't think it was too slow. I think that the people that thought it was too slow just don't appreciate a lot of, like, nuanced moments in cinema, which I think is okay. Like, it's not for everyone. Well, and I think part of the problem is with that is you look at something like... Not to compare this to Endgame, but something like Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, yeah, there's not like that's just a fast moving film. Right. So so you go into a lot of superhero movies and it's a lot of action at the front and fast paced action throughout the whole film. This deviates from that pattern. This is more Nolan-esque kind of like the slower paced establishing shots just a different yeah. feel, feel of a film. It, it honestly, to the point where it's almost weird for like me to hear that it's like the latest DC film. Like it almost doesn't seem like it fits in with what DC's trying to do. Like I would never be like, Oh, DC films like Batman versus Superman, the justice league and Joker and Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. And Shazam. Like it's, it's I weird. think totally they just don't fit. Yeah. I think that has a lot to say with what DC is doing with their films though, because yeah. the one before this was Shazam. The next one that we're getting is birds of prey or the emancipation of one Harley That's Quinn. That's right. So That's right. Like this, this is definitely an Elseworlds story or it could be like, I don't know if it actually is. And we'll get into that um, in the spoilers, but 
it, it definitely stands alone regardless. Like it doesn't, right. ha- it doesn't have to fit into the DCEU if they don't want it to. It could, it doesn't need to. Okay. So then that brings me to the question that Ramon and I were talking about, and this is still not spoilers. Let's say there is, I mean, so they released new Batman is going to be Robert Pattinson, right? Mm-hmm. How would you guys feel if, Joaquin Phoenix Joker was the bad guy in Robert Pattinson Batman. Would you guys love it? Would you guys hate it? Would you guys see it? Or would you want a completely new Joker? I would need to see him as Batman in one movie before I make that uh, statement. Either way. Okay. I I would like to see him... I, I would like to see this Joker evolve into the Joker that we know. Because he's not quite there. He's so... I mean, not spoilers, but he's so close, though. He's so close. Um, but I don't know. I think I think we need a different Joker. I don't... I like the idea of this Joker standing alone and not having to deal with Batman. I'm the same way. I that, That's exactly me. I don't think I want him in a Batman movie. No. Um, yeah, that, that that's how I feel. Like, I don't... If, if Robert Pattinson is going, like they have such a complicated web of things to figure out. I think Robert Pattinson, if he's going to be part of the DCEU, they just need to start yeah. over with the Joker. Because it seems with like, right. Bird, I think it seems with Birds of Prey, they're ignoring Jared Leto completely. Are it, they? It seems to be like they, they know that he, like he existed in Suicide Squad, but he's not in the movie. They may use, is, some, they may use deleted yeah. footage, but. They didn't bring him back because okay. they didn't want like dead rats sent to them again. So. Yeah, good call. Good call. Yeah. So before we get into the spoilers, I had Ryan prepare this. I didn't prepare Devin for this. We're going to we're going to go through and rank cinematic jokers. Oh, shoot. OK. All right. So, Ryan, you said you had yours already. So, yeah. So worst to best or least favorite to favorite. And we're talking cinematic, just like just movies, not TV just shows. Just movies, too. yes. Okay. So, Ryan, your Jokers. <laughs> I'm. Gonna... Yes. <laughs> okay. So, going from worst to best, I got to think about it because this is like uh, yeah, not we, my... chronologically. Let's go through them. So, we're we're going all the way back to 1966. So, C- Cesar Romero. Yeah. In the yeah. the TV series and the movie, <clears throat> then you have Jack Nicholson's <clears throat> Joker from the Tim Burton Batman. Heath Ledger yep. in The Dark Knight, Jared Leto in Suicide Squad, which I know you've never seen, but you can just go ahead and I, I know it. enough about it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Do we want to include Lego Movie Joker? No. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, he's going to end up in the middle somewhere for me, I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go strictly live action. Okay. That's fine. Like a physical actor. Okay. okay so do you, you still want least the best? Least favorite to favorite. We don't have to. Okay. Um, yeah. Least favorite, Leto. <laughs> <sighs> um, I, I got to do this my way. Okay. My favorite one <laughs> yeah. is Jack. He always will be. Jack Nicholson is my favorite Joker, hands down. There's that. Never um, touch another man's rhubarb. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, there's that uh, Cesar Romero 
for my mm. second, just because he, to me, that's like the perfect, like cartoony, like live action. Yeah. Joker. Um, and then it's tied um, with uh, a Heath Ledger and Walking Phoenix. Walking Phoenix. Okay. And then rounding out the bottom is Leto or Leto. 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 Le- Leto. <laughs> the guy from 30 Seconds to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Aw. All right, Devin, how about you? All right, so least to best. Uh, least is Leto. Sorry. Oh, all right, guys. I'm sorry about this. Uh, my second least favorite is Jack Nicholson. Uh, I had a feeling that that's going to not be the same as your guys's. I got into him too late and I haven't seen those movies recently enough. So uh, Jack Nicholson, then Cesar Romero, because he was my first Joker. Okay. And uh, and then uh, Heath Ledger and then Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. I think I, I think the consensus is Jerry Leto is my least favorite. Um, yeah. Cesar Romero probably comes in second to the last because I don't sure. know him as well. I, I have the first season of the series on DVD, but I haven't really uh-huh. watched it. I know the movie. He's fun. Cartoony. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I'm tied with Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix and then Jack Nicholson. Like I've he's number one. He's number one for me. Um, yeah. It's just he's and I think this has to go with what I was saying before. The Batman Joker dynamic in that seems the most organic. Like that's the one that I know from like the comic books and the animated series. Yeah. Uh, Like it, it it seems the closest to like say the Arkham games like that, that dynamic, the Batman Joker dynamic is there. They have that history. Um, yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's why like Heath Ledger is good. And he, he, they have a little bit of that, but it's more, they don't interact that much. They have two scenes together. Yeah. And I think you just need to have more Batman V Joker for me. I get that. So, um, so are you guys based? I mean, so looking back at all of them, the Joker has a very different, like coat. Like he's almost a different character in almost all of these iterations. Like I would never like compare the Jared Leto Joker to like the Cesar Romero Joker and be like, yeah, that's the same character. The only only comparison I can really see between those two is kind of the look. Like yeah, a little his, bit. His vibe is really close to the 1960s Joker. Yeah. Especially with the colorful, colorful costume that he has. It doesn't really fit the typical Joker garb. Yeah. Um, and the Joker also changed like through each decade at the century. He did though. Century, decade. I get those confused. Decade. Decade. Yeah. Decade. De- decades. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he um <clears throat> the Joker changed even in the comic books through each decade. And I feel like each Joker we're talking about kind of reflects uh that point in time and and that development because like the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties Joker was supposed to be cartoony because he was more of like he was a prankster criminal. Like he was nuts yeah. and he was crazy, but he was still kind of that like mob mentality. Um, so he was still a little bit more grounded compared yeah. to like the other Jokers. Jack Nicholson re- re- reflected the eighties Joker, which was a little bit darker, um, a bit more insane, not as grounded. Um, and then it just, it gets yeah. more crazy and, and insane from there. And then Heath Ledger is like yeah. the terrorist Joker. 
Yeah, the right. 2000s. Which fits the time. The, uh, the uh, anarchist, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Jared Leto is kind of like the baller joker. We don't talk about Jared Leto. We're, if we say Jared Leto again on this podcast, he's going to show up. That joker did. <laughs> <laughs> that joker that he did did exist. And I believe he yeah. existed in a comic book run that was mainly focused on him and not really Batman and not really anybody else. It was mainly just on him. Well, yeah. see, the thing with he, with uh, Jared Leto's Joker is I like the fan theory that he wasn't really the Joker. I like that he was oh. Jason Todd. Oh, because there's interesting because there are hints in his design that parallel some stuff they did in the comics. And he has like a a J tattoo where Jason Todd has it in the Arkham games. Weird. So and like if you look at um, Return of the Joker from Batman Beyond, mm-hmm. like that's pretty much that storyline. So. Having Jason Todd die and then be turned into the Joker and then him be the Joker and like in I think it's um, Batman v Superman, uh, Batflex says, "How many mm. good people have we lost? How many stayed that way?" So just like hinting at they've lost people who turned to the dark side, for lack Interesting. of a better term. Like I feel I like that. I feel like that's probably in the Snyder cut somewhere, and we just won't get it now because we won't the Snyder cut. Of I just, heard they're like trying to get it. They they are. They put up billboards in Times Square this weekend. Holy cow. Yeah. I want it. And like Zack Snyder thanked everyone for their support. So I guess he's trying to push for it now. I want it. I feel I want it. I feel like that's the best way you can get the uh, DCEU back on track. The Snyder cut. Yeah. I, I don't know how you f- handle Batman with Ben Affleck leaving. But what if the Snyder cuts just shit though? Like, what if they like cut it for a reason? I mean, I don't know much about it. Like, I don't know much about this controversy, but yeah. like, I feel like they had to have cut it for a reason and it couldn't have just it been wasn't, all time. It wasn't that it was cut. He had his version of the film that he shot and then he left mm. partway through post-production because he oh. had a loss in the family. And then Joss Whedon came in, took over post-production and reshot mm. and re-edited the movie to hell. So it became a completely different story. Uh, they cut out sequences like Martian Manhunter was supposed to be in it. What? Yeah. There, there's that. I used weir- to love him. There's that weird scene with Martha and Lois in Justice League. Yeah. There, supposedly Martha was supposed to go to the bathroom and reveal that she was just Martian Manhunter. No shit. And it was supposed to be the general from Man of Steel. Oh yeah, like he was like supposedly was Green or um, not Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, there's like a lot of untapped potential in storylines that probably would fix Justice League, and I don't know if it's yeah. ever going to happen, but eh, we, we'll see. We can hope. Yeah, absolutely. I'd watch it in a world where they released a Su- Superman two Donner cut. Someday we'll get it. That's. That's true, though. Anyway, enough about the DCEU. Let's talk more about yeah. Joker. Joker. So, <laughs> are we into spoilers now? I think we are. I think we're we're twenty minutes in, so I'd say we we're bound for spoilers at this point. So, if you haven't seen the Joker yet uh, and you want to, and without it being spoiled, uh, come back later. Like, pause your podcast now. Go listen to like something on NPR or <laughs> Conan O'Brien's back this week. Go listen to his podcast. Oh yay! Um, 
But yeah, uh, we'll get into spoilers. So, guys, Joker's in this movie. (laughs) He turns into the Joker. Did you know Joker was here? Yeah. Okay. So. I can't believe Johnny Carson died. (laughs) You can't? Okay. Do we want to dive right into that part of it or not? Because I I feel like we should save that for the end. We can build into it. I have thoughts on that. Um, Do you? Okay, good. That's fine. I do. Um, so let's talk about his lineage. I have, I, okay. so a big part of this movie is his mother lying to him about his past and who his father is, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I like that dynamic and I like how they set it up where you don't quite know who is telling the truth. Like yeah. I'm partly convinced that it is Thomas Wayne, that he is bruce's brother you really think so even though they saw like the adoption paper in the thing here's the thing and i don't want to get political but i feel like thomas wayne in this is a stand-in for donald trump yeah i could see it and he they established that he's a wealthy businessman about to run for office and has all these connections he would have the power to fake an adoption it's been done in the DC universe before. That's how the Kents got Clark. Did we lose Devin oh. again? No, no. I was shocked. Wait, you lost me again. I think we did. Where you are ready. Fuck. Okay. So I feel like Thomas Wayne in this is a stand in for a Donald Trump, Arnold Schwarzenegger type politician. So wealthy, uh, well known, and powerful. Like, yeah. Like Trump might not have covered up a bastard love child but schwarzenegger (laughs) did like with the nanny so i feel like that kind of cover-up conspiracy is something that someone that type of character would be able to pull off yeah and and it's not like it's unheard of even in this universe though like that you know there'd be like some weird kind of fake adoption thing like yeah i guess i just i took the adoption form as just being literal and going oh the mom's crazy got it i mean i don't i think the mom is crazy I, I mm-hmm. like everything that did happen with him being locked to the radiator and being abused. Yeah. Like that, that, that was hard. That's definitely real. Um, but as far as like this, his storyline goes, like I feel like there's enough evidence there for me to not trust Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. And, I can get behind that. And that's something I actually liked about this. And I completely agree, Devin, with something. I believe it was Devin that said before that, like, you don't want to see this Joker interact with Batman. Like, just just Joker on his own is good enough. Yeah. Okay. So I love that aspect of this. Um, I also love how they depict Thomas Wayne, because every other time they ever talk about Thomas Wayne, he's like the savior of the city and he's beloved by everyone and everybody. And this puts more of a realistic like this guy is the richest guy in the city. And because of that, there are things that he can't see. And there's things that he misses because of that, because of his wealth. Um, And I can definitely see something like that happen where like he pays off a doctor and like a few nurses to like fake an adoption paper and all that. But for the sake of this movie being as hard hitting as it is or what it's meant to be, 
I think the mm-hmm. fact that he is just a randomly adopted kid and and his mom is nuts and she did make up the fact that he is Thomas's kid, I feel like that's more yeah. tragic for the character that there's the seed of possibility where he's the son of Thomas Wayne and it's not mm-hmm. true, but his entire life and his mental disorder is preventing him from seeing that. So it's one more little thing to his character that makes it more tragic. It, I, but you can I see that. I see that too. point. But at the same time, looking forward to the future beyond this movie, how much more tragic is it that the Joker and Batman are brothers? Like, look at that dynamic. I that think that's true. super interesting, though. And. I don't know. I think even with him being like straight up, like not Thomas Wayne's son, I still think it sets Sets. Bruce Wayne and the Joker up as opposites in this movie. Like, I think that I didn't want Bruce Wayne in the movie, but I think I liked what Bruce Wayne did to Joker's character. What Thomas Wayne did? Yeah. What? Well, I mean, just in general, like just, I think you said Bruce 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 Wayne. Okay. Yeah. I think the inclusion of Bruce Wayne does a really good job of showing you what Joaquin Phoenix's or the Joker's life. What's his name in this? Is it Adam? Arthur Fleck. Arthur. Yeah. Which is a weird. It does a good job of showing you what Arthur could have been. The weird, the weird thing is about the Arthur Fleck name. If you just do his first initial and his last name, it's a Fleck like Ben Affleck. (laughs) Uh, um, oh, was that taken from a, a comic or anything? Like, has he always been Arthur Fleck or is that no, made for the movie? I think the only name that they've actually really given him is Jack Napier. Really? Yeah. So I know in the, um, the Batman who laughs storyline, yeah. like Jack or one of the, there's a storyline where the roles are reversed between the Joker and Batman and oh. like, Joker is the good guy and it's Jack Napier. That's so weird. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to that aspect of like Joker and Batman being like brothers fighting each other going forward, if Jared, if Joaquin Phoenix and they get some Batman to fight him and like Phoenix comes back to play the Joker in a future movie where they're actually sparring against each other, then yes, what you're bringing up would be an awesome like aspect to their relationship if they were actual brothers. But if this is just a standalone thing where there's no like the Joker two, or or you know, uh, Joker two, then I would rather yeah. him not be related to Thomas Wayne, and it's just one more tragic little rice of grain in his entire story. What I think, what I think this movie does well is it leaves you guessing. So well, th- that's true. Even too. if even if it even if he is just adopted randomly, okay, it, it works. But you don't need to see him fight Batman in a future movie for what I'm saying to work as well, because I mean, that's true. The Joker and Batman are arch enemies. It's like they're they're meant to be fighting forever. Like like, yeah. like they say in the Dark Knight, they're meant to do this forever. And like they're yeah. they're so iconic as a as a fighting force that you like you know where this story is going. You know that little boy in the alley is going to grow up to be Batman. Yeah. Like, you know that he's going to be fighting clowns and, like, leaf women and... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so here's the... I Killer completely, Crocs. I completely understand where you're coming from. 
for yourself. Mm -hmm. For me, I see this as just... To me, you take away the DC aspect of this movie, and this becomes a different telling of American Psycho. And that's what... And that's kind of what I like well, about okay, this. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about that aspect of this. Because uh, American Psycho, the big thing is, spoilers for American Psycho. Well, you don't you don't know what happens. Yeah, like you don't know how much right. of it's actually real. Th- this movie also begs the question: How much of what we see in this is actually real? I don't know. There were some times that it was too ham fisted for me. With by the way, what you saw wasn't real. Like when he went on the date and did his stand up and like. It went well and they went on a date afterwards and then like later they replayed all of those same scenes without her. I feel like that much was like I didn't want that. I felt like that was too much. That was babying me too much. Like I feel like I could have done without the whole flashback. The thing is I could have done without that too. But there's also somebody who's not really thinking about it that much and just taking this film at face value. Yeah. Not really thinking about that stuff. Yeah. I mean that's true. Because so. I mean, they do signal it enough. Because whenever they're in his fantasy, like the the music swells and like the film, it feels different. Well, that like, just... I don't know. I think that would be a cool analysis if they kept hiding moments like that in the movie. I, yeah, um, I I knew from the get go that she wasn't really there all the time. Like the whole really, were you following me today? Uh, he's like, yeah, I was. Like. As soon as they showed her without her daughter in all of those scenes, I was yeah. like, okay, that's not really her. Because the first time you do see her again, she's like, my daughter's asleep in the other room. Like, I need you to leave. Like, yeah, it's a, it's implied that she's a single mother and she's out all the time with this guy and they never mention her daughter at all. That's a good point. So I was like, okay, this, I, and I, I heard from reviews that a lot of things may not may or may not be real in this so i was keeping an eye out for that and oh, i, I picked up on that right away i was like okay she's not yeah. really there and then they they spoon feed it to you that oh yeah th- those were all hallucinations yeah. which makes makes it also makes me wonder how much of this movie is also a hallucination because there is i wonder one, if there's another layer of it i think there is because in the very one of the very first scenes there's a quick cutaway to him in his padded cell that's right. In and this, I thought they were going to explore that more. And they do in the very last scene of the movie. Yeah. So it makes me wonder how much like he just starts laughing in that very last scene. So I was thinking of a joke, but you wouldn't get it. So either yeah. he's remembering all of this as it happened, or maybe he's just so delusional that he thinks like he, maybe he's watched the Adam West TV series and thinks he's the Joker. And that's why this Joker is so different from Jokers that we know. And he thinks that all he, he lives in this world. I like that conspiracy theory a lot. I like that. I heard that theory that like this isn't even like a canon Joker, that it's just some mentally ill patient that thinks he's his story is the Joker story. Yeah. I kind of like that. I really want to say how far did you reach to get that? But I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> well, it's implied, it's implied that he's just locked. They Do they ever say he's in Arkham at the end? I don't think they place him, do they? I know. I know the psychiatrist at the end is credited as Arkham psychiatrist. 
Oh, interesting. So she's so he's in Arkham. See, but, I, f- uh, I, I feel like even, the only... Even if he is in the Gotham City that we know from the comic books, he could still yeah. think that he's taking credit for this whole thing. Right. Like, there's a... like. I had a feeling that this film was going to end with his corpse being discovered in that fridge. Really? I thought as soon as he entered that fridge and closed the door behind him, he was going to suffocate to death and everything beyond that was just a dream. Wow. That would have been so weird. And I don't know if there's really anything after that that proves that it isn't. Because you every, never watch him leave the fridge. Yeah, you never see him leave the fridge. Um, see, he, this is one of those impossible fan theories to disprove. So people that just want to be annoying well, will spout let, it. Let's think about it. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not trying to be annoying. <laughs> no, like, let's look at what happens to him after that. He because that's when he gets the call, right? He the get, TV show. Yeah, that's when he gets the call from the TV show, which is very yeah, bizarre. Things, yeah, like everything goes right for him from that point on. He does everything he sets out to do. Super easily. He escapes the cops. And does it, yeah, and does it super well. Yeah. And it doesn't really fit that character. Like He's com- he's a completely different character after he gets out of that fridge. Because his mom's dead want- at that point, right? Or I, is it that before? Yes, it's after he kills his mom. Yeah. Uh, I, I took it because in a couple scenes before that is when he took his last two pills that he had and he can't get his medication any longer. So now he's no longer medicated. And... And... And there are certain mental issues, mental illness that will boost your confidence. And that was the change in his character. He had more confidence. The thing is, like, just knowing what I know about technology from the 70s, like those fridges were not designed to be able to get out of. Like, there's a reason there's a reason like in um, in junkyards, they have to take the doors off of those. Like if a kid gets stuck in there, they're going to suffocate because you cannot get out of them. So how does he get out of there? I don't think they were thinking that far, to be perfectly honest. The, the, the thing is, they don't, you don't know. What I like this. Thinking. See, this is why I hate these kind of things. Oh, no. I, I love it. No, here's the thing. The way that I took this movie is that you have a guy who's mentally ill and mm-hmm. he is suffering from different types of mental illness. They mention, they mention the fact that, that he's on seven different types of medication. He is showing that he laughs hysterically for no reason, which can either be from the head trauma that he suffered as a kid, or it could be from the mental illness that he developed because of the torture that that he had uh, as a kid. Physically, he's he's deformed. I don't know if it's because he might have some issues with his bone structure, but they made it a point to show how misformed he he was physically. They go forward in this film and they mention his medication and they show him carrying the bag and they show him taking his pills. And then eventually in the film, they show him with empty bottles and he takes his last two. And they already mentioned the fact that he can't take anymore because Mm -hmm. there's no more doctor. There's no more prescriptions. Yeah. So he 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 takes that his character is still the same around the time when he would have taken like his second dose. All of that medication is out of his bloodstream. And now his mental illness is finally taking hold. And depending on your mental illness, you can have your personality can change. Your confidence can change everything that happened with his character that made him the person who he was um, towards the end of the film 
can be explained by the medication being gone. It can be. I, and I, that, yeah. that's completely it, yeah. justified. But I'm, but from a film aspect, they establish early on the, from the first time he hallucinates that he's in that audience for that show, that yeah. this story cannot be trusted for what you see. Like the, the, it's an unreliable narrator. So you can't trust just what you see. Like, yes, you could, like that could entirely be right. But at the same time, you don't know, like it's not straightforward because even in the last shot of the film, when he's walking down that hallway, he's leaving red footprints and blood, right? Which is bizarre. And there's no explanation for it. So there's no like real definitive answer. There's no like straightforward answers to this. And I think that's one of the things I like about this movie is that you can look at it as, yeah, he just stopped taking his meds. They're completely out of his system and he, his personality changes and that's why he's able to do all this stuff. Or you can look at it as none of this is real. Is real. This didn't happen. He's just hallucinating it all in his mind. I think that's the best thing this movie does is it sets it up for debate yeah. because and, it, it, it's yeah. not straightforward. And I'll be straightforward in this. If it turns out that this whole thing is a hallucination, then I hate the film. No, and I not, never want to see oh, it. Oh no, no, I'm gonna no, like it no, more. No, no, it's not. I'm not saying the whole thing is a hallucination. Although, I'm saying the, the final act after he gets in that fridge, I don't completely buy it as real. If it's not real and there's not actual riots going on in the city if he doesn't actually shoot and kill Johnny Carson live on air, then <laughs> this entire first part of the movie to me is I get it's about mental illness. I get that, you know what they were trying to do with the character. It, to me, it falls flat then. Okay. It just, well, I, it, that's the, the other great thing too, is it's open to interpretation. So you don't, you don't right. have to take what I'm saying as the movie that you just saw. You can completely like ignore what I'm saying. I, what what I like about this is that there can be a debate about yeah. what this movie is. Yeah, because now you. I'm thinking now I'm thinking counterpoints to Ryan because I don't think the movie would fall flat if it was all in his mind because killing Johnny Carson at the end isn't like the physical act of killing Johnny Carson. He's killing the only father figure he's ever known or the only person that he's ever like known as the father figure with which is basically his last like thread to reality. Which so like I think that it I think that it works on a whole other level if it's all metaphysical. Which I like better if he physically actually physically kills him if he just kills him in his head then yeah okay he kills him in his head and now he's able to go out on the streets and be the joker gotcha yeah i feel like it's more hard hitting if he actually physically kills him and then that's and then you know and then there's that. I mean, there's one movie that I like where there's the possibility of every negative physical thing done is American Psycho. And that's because of what it, and that's because of other aspects that encompasses that film. But the yeah. Joker is the Joker. And if this is just some movie about some person who watched a movie or a TV show is with the Joker in it and he thinks he's the Joker and everything that's Joker-esque that's done in this movie is all in his head, then great performance. I, I think I hope he wins. I, I uh, think it makes the character more tragic. But see, the thing is, I the I want this to be the joker one type one scenario of being the joker's origin story if it's yeah. not that then what's the point of this film 
I, to I, me, that's how I see honestly, this. I think that's what it is. I think this is just a, here's a version of the Joker. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he actually dies in the fridge. I was expecting it. Yeah. And it makes sense yeah. if you think about it from cool. that point of view. Like, yeah. from that point on, the police come in, either yeah. he's dead in the fridge and they yeah. lock him or and he everything's a hallucination or they lock him up in Arkham for trying to kill himself in a fridge because he's not mentally well. <laughs> True. And that's right. how you get the ending. Like, yeah. he hallucinates everything else. I think it is just a story of the Joker. Yeah, I think everything yeah. that does happen at the end about him being the father and killing his mother and his fa- father, even though they're both not his real parents. Yeah, uh, and even killing even the the killing of the Waynes, like since there was yeah. a chance of him being his father, like them dying is also, um, something I never need to see on film again. And no, <laughs> okay, so we've seen. I, I did the math in the car on the way back. We've seen the Waynes yeah. die five times in the last 30 years. That's so many times. Yeah. And I <sighs> like I said to Ryan before we went into the movie, what did I say before the movie? I'm sorry. Your wife sent me something that completely lost track. <laughs> <laughs> What'd she send you? you, you share it's, with the class. Okay. Yeah, share. Okay, okay. Okay. So there's a meme of Ben Affleck with, a cigarette and he looks like he just woke up and he's having his morning smoke. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Over that picture. It says when you find out the Joker is your half older brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, I, I completely lost track. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I, what did I say to you before we went into the movie? What was my one oh. prediction? Uh, that the Joker uh, was going to kill the Wayne's parents. And was uh, I wrong? Technically, no. no. Technically, no. Even after I completely... I've been, say- I've been saying it for weeks. Like, this is how that movie's going to end. The Waynes are going to die. Because why would you... Why else would you... I would have... I would applaud this movie if they had done the Flashpoint storyline and killed Bruce instead. Oh, that would have been crazy. I would have lo- I would have applauded this movie if they did that, but they didn't have the guts. All right. So did they recontextualize the killing enough to make it worth it, though? Because I saw it and I went, fuck this movie, because I got real mad because I'm so sick of seeing these parents die. But it did a good job of showing the class warfare going on in Gotham and wasn't bad man bad and bad men need to be stopped. And that's why this guy's sad. I, Yeah, I like that they established... Thomas Wayne is the bad guy and yeah. from the Joker's point of view. And I like that. It's like, you understand why somebody who's rioting because of that speech that he gave on the uh, Murray show. Right. I'm, I'm not going to call him Carson. Cause I'd still feel, I, I feel weird saying that <laughs> um, <laughs> when he's on the Nero show and he like name drops Thomas Wayne for not really doing anything and ignoring the, the little people. And then somebody yeah. sees the Waynes walking out. Uh, as soon as they saw Zorro on the marquee, I was like, oh, yep, they're going to die. Yep, here it is. Um, but the fact that he names drops them in his manifesto is the best. Is that the, I guess that's the best. His speech. Before. That makes it feel icky. Yeah, no, but the most manifestos aren't though. meant to be manifestos. The they just yeah. they are spoken and then they get held on to like manifestos. So, I mean, that's what I would call it. Yeah, because yeah. that's what it is. It's him de- speaking right to the camera, and I knew yeah. how, I knew how that scene was going to end because I read The Dark Knight Returns. 
Like, I uh, thought I thought it was going to be a lot worse than what it was. I thought he was really? going to kill everyone in that studio. Wow. I really did. I thought, because you've read The Dark Knight Returns, right? Yeah. So the Joker goes on Letterman and just kills everyone. Yeah. Like, I really thought that's where they were going with it, but they just killed De Niro. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was enough. It was, it worked. But at the same time, I was like, Mark Maron's there. Like, you got to get Mark Maron something to do. So I just pictured him like cowering in a corner and then being like the last one standing. Oh. But. I think that would have been too much. I think it would because yeah. I had a hard time. So I don't know if you guys had this. There were times in this movie where I wanted to connect with the Joker, with what he was going through or what Arthur was going through specifically before he was Joker. I want it because, you know, the film wants you to. The film wants you to feel so bad for him. But knowing where it was going, I had a hard time letting myself be OK connecting with him. Yeah, I think it was like, I don't know, like. I think it was like, I mean, it's watching the origin story of a bad guy and knowing where he's going. And I didn't want to, in my mind, justify what I knew he would probably end up doing later and being like, oh, he was so heroic killing all those people. Like, I didn't want to leave the theater thinking that. Well, so there are times when he would bad stuff would happen to be like, yeah, it deserves it. Yeah. When it comes to when it came to me with 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 that whole scenario i kind of mentioned it before like having adhd and dyslexia and dyslexia really isn't considered a mental thing that's just like a processing issue um Mm -hmm. but there are some people that hear adhd and somebody talking about they have it and they scoff at it and they don't treat it with you know the fact that it is considered a mental illness granted it's not as bad as like some of them um but it's still there and there were a few times when they would go over his journal, and especially the one part when he wrote down as a joke or something, or he meant he meant it as a joke, but it didn't turn into one. Um, the issue with mental illness is people not knowing you have it or you do, or people not believing that it is, or something like yeah. that. I remember reading at it's, the time. It's along the lines of the worst part of having mental illness is people wanting you to pretend like you don't. Yes. Yeah, and something like what, that. And th- that was like the one moment where I was like, oh, I know exactly where he's coming from. Because there were times when, not necessarily for myself, but when I was going through school, I had classes with kids that, thinking back at now, definitely had mental illness. And mm-hmm. as depending on how severe it is and compared to how you are as an observer and how non-ignorant you are of those issues it can be hard to just let somebody play out their mental illness because they're having an episode it's it's just like those three wall street wayne employees that were on the subway train he was trying to explain to them why he was laughing and they didn't want to hear it they just figured that he was being a jerk and i can't tell you how many times with having uh dyslexia that I've had moments like that, even though that's not a mental illness, where when I was in high school or middle school, I'd be out with friends or out by myself, and I'd be in a situation where I had to read off a menu, or if I was given options, and the people just looking at me like, what? 
Like, you, there's nothing on your face that's stamped that's saying I have dyslexia. Yeah, and it's right. really and it's really difficult to deal with people who are extremely ignorant of that type of stuff. So that's where I connected with them to a point. But then, uh, yeah. but then Devin, like you said, after a certain point, you're like, you know where this is going. It's like I can't feel bad for this guy. It, it's kind on board. It's kind of like the Star Wars prequels. Like you know, Anakin's going to turn into Darth Vader. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get invested in his story. Exactly. Right. Over right. those three films. So, you, like, you know, he's going to turn to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, I feel like the prequels, and it's been a while since I watched them, don't re- do a really great job of making you cheer for him that that much. Yeah. Because, yeah, he just kind of, he's just kind of there. It's not really cheering okay. for you know, him. It's and, hoping for somebody to step in and nobody yeah. does. Like, there's that, right. you know, like, oh, come on. It's like, come on, Obi-Wan. Like, just, no, just, just push no, a just, little harder. The, yeah, the origin stories of villains are kind of hard to fault, like, enjoy because you know where it's going. You know yeah. he's going to use the Death Star and destroy Alderaan and mm-hmm. chop yeah. off his son's hand. And <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing is there were times when I felt for Arthur in this movie. I don't think I ever cheered for Arthur in this movie. I was never like, yeah, go get him. You deserve the win. But there were definitely times where I was like, these guys aren't fucking getting it. And I hate that they're not getting it. And now I feel bad for you in this scene right up until he shoots one of them. Then I'm off. But like, you know, like that one or like the part that got me is when as soon as he pictures himself in the crowd of the thing and like, hey, come on up, guy. And like that part, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so like I'm with you now. But, like, I don't think I ever, like, said, yeah, good job, Arthur, or, like, go get him, boy. But I felt for him. And that's a there's a very fine line there, I think. Yeah, and it, it toes the line. Like, he says, he says in this, my story always thought was a tragedy, but it turns out it's a comedy. It's a tragedy. Yeah. The, the, the tragedy is him thinking it's a comedy and enjoying it. Like at right. the end, like except once he accepts that, then that's the true tra- tragedy. Like once he so, gets that mindset, that's where it like really turns. So Ramon and I were talking about this a little bit. His laughing then wasn't a mental illness or a condition. It was him enjoying the comedy that he thought or thinks his life is. Are you, right? Are you talking about the whole time? The whole time. So it's framed to him originally as you have a disorder where you laugh uncontrollably. But in actuality, it's that latent knowledge that this is a comedy of the latent belief that it's a comedy manifesting itself via the laugh and not necessarily a mental disorder. And it stops becoming a mental disorder once he owns it and reframes it. I I think that's fair to say. Um, I think it does start off as a mental thing. Like it, it starts off yeah. as a tick, but then it just becomes more and more than that. I yeah. like, I like the idea. The only thing that I would bring up to counter that is the fact that yeah. he tries, he is, he fights not to do it. And to the point where he almost gags yeah, a he's few like times. Cho- yeah. Choking himself. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. He's choking himself to Which stop. Is one of the most dedicated things, like Joaquin Phoenix in this, like he Oh my god. There's so many small details, like the, the choking himself to make himself stop laughing that yeah. are just that sh- it's such commitment. Like he like I take back what I, I kind of want to take back what I said about the Oscar, but like I'm not gonna be super upset if he wins it, but Right. Um, 
I mean, but yeah. the, every time, I mean, he laughs and like, it's, I think it's one of the few times I've ever seen somebody laugh and look like they're hurting while they're doing it. Well, I can, I can kind of, kind of relate to, to that oh, exact yeah? issue. <laughs> I will bring this up with the disclaimer. Um, it was, huh. I was 22. Um, uh. I was in college and I was in a friend's attic. <laughs> and, good, good uh, start. The, uh, the, the, the marijuana we were smoking, I think, was laced because I had lost 30 <laughs> minutes of time. And on top of that, we were watching um, uh, this video on YouTube called the, like, the, the bipolar partying polar bear. And every oh time, and I was laughing so hard, it hurt. And I was trying to stop. And, I would laugh and laugh and laugh, try to stop, and it wouldn't stop at all. <laughs> and it hurt. Like, I was physically hurting be, be, uh, because of that, and I couldn't stop. And I think I had the same look on my face because mentally I was trying to tell myself, like, calm down, breathe, you know, uh, calm down and breathe. And yeah, like I kept okay. on laughing. And I couldn't stop. So I ended up with sitting down. Oh, he's brought it up. Um, yes. <laughs> um, bipolar polar bear. Bipolar party bear. What, what is this? Polar bear gets sadder each time. Aww. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping it there. Please. please. Uh. Okay, so, so <laughs> after we had watched this YouTube video, like my laughing continued for about 30 minutes. And wow! I ended up with my head between my knees, just looking at the floor, just telling myself to stop. And I was crying and I was still laughing. And it was the wow. most like I've been through a lot medically. But when it comes to non-medical stuff, that was probably yeah. the worst experience I've ever had because I wow. couldn't stop. So I can understand kind of where like Jetto's no. Walking Phoenix, <laughs> where, where he was uh, like coming from, it just it yeah. hurt too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk music. So a big part yeah. of the big part of the marketing for this film was him dancing down the stairs, and the whole time I was like, "What's he going to be dancing to?" Yeah, I did not expect it to be rock and roll part two. Yeah, me neither. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it too. Um, they did made a good use of the Jimmy Durante song "Smile." Yeah, his cover of "Smile," and I love that they had modern modern times in there because that's where "Smile" is from. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a Charlie oh. Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin wrote it, and it's at the end of right. "Modern Times." It's the score, and then it became a song later on. I did not know Charlie Chaplin wrote that. Yep. Um, wow. Before he was kicked out of the country. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I do like the send in the clowns, the use of that, too, at the very end. I like that, too. Sinatra, a lot of Sinatra. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it fit. It fits so well. I, I like the whole ending with that's life. 
on the show. Like that's his yes. sign off. Uh, very sign of the times. Um, De Niro is pretty good in this. I thought he was great. Um, I said to Ryan before we went in, I think the last movie with Robert De Niro that I saw in theaters, and I shit you not, was Meet the Fockers. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. I can't think of anything else he's been in that I've paid money to go see. And I can't think so of So wait, you knew that De Niro was going to be in this? Yeah. He's in the trailers. Totally missed it. Okay. Totally missed it. Did you know, Ryan? Yeah. Oh. Yes, I missed okay, De Niro. Okay, so about your observing abilities. Uh, oh, they're terrible. Uh, so you missed it. You missed De Niro in the trailers for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alan and I must be blind because how many fedoras are in the movie? Yeah. So for context for the listeners at home, we have oh, the, yeah. we have this group <laughs> chat going on, and Devin saw the movie before us, and afterwards he sent a message. Okay, let's play a game. It's called Count the Fedoras. When you see Joker, count how many fedoras you see. Bonus points if you can catch someone saying Melede. So, and then after the movie, we're like, what the hell was he talking about? No, no, no. In the audience. Oh, in the audience. Yeah, the people that were seeing the movies. I I sent you all that text before I saw the movie as I was walking amidst a sea of fedoras and Meladies. In a pack oh. of people about to enjoy the movie The Joker. Okay, so here, here's it the totally difference. Totally came across as the movie. Oh, like as like in the movie? No, yes. no, no. I don't think there were any fedoras in the movie. So if there was, I didn't catch them. Here's the thing: you saw it in Los Angeles. We oh, saw yeah. it in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> and it's people oh, yeah. still it wear was... fedoras. What? Yeah, people still wear fedoras like that. It's it's not it's not used in a classy way. I'll tell you that. It's, it's like used um, to hide unwashed hair. It's like um comic book guy on The Simpsons. Oh. But like if comic book yes. guy wanted to dress up, he'd throw a fedora on over top of the t shirt and the pant the shorts he's wearing. Worst like, date in it, ever. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's basically the crowd I went to go see the Joker with. With it, it was a lot of fedoras unwashed bodies and i heard a couple of miladies as they were referring to people wow yeah it was yeah it was kind of it was interesting i mean very nice people one thing to i loved how real this movie was like oh yeah let's take the waynes die exactly the way they do in this film which is exactly the way they will almost exactly the way they do in the original, like the the, the, the typical Batman origin story. Mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. how they made like, what if the Joker came to power in real world without any superheroes? This is what would happen. And they said it yeah. in the seventies, which um, was perfect for what the Joker was dealing with. I loved the, as- the that aspect of this movie where, yeah. it, where it, where it was, you had the middle class and upper middle class pretty much looking down on everybody in Gotham who was poor, who was causing yeah. issues. Like, I really loved that build up to this story. And I also feel like that, even though it takes place in the 70s, 70s is talking about society today. Which yeah. which is exactly the way it was back in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will. I don't know if you knew this, Devin. Um, yeah. Alec Baldwin was originally cast as Thomas Wayne. Well, I can see it. I can totally see yeah. that. Um, 
I'm kind of glad happened? that uh, schedule conflicts. Ah. Or or he was scheduled for a court appearance. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's, e- it's either he was too busy doing match game or he just couldn't make it because uh, of court. Um, but no, he, he dropped out at the very last second, uh, like b- a few days before, and they replaced him with um, the guy from Lost. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, he I mean, I thought he was fine. I think I'm, I think I'm it would have been cooler. I think D- Alec Baldwin as as Thomas Wayne would have been too much into the Trump comparisons like I was making earlier. Oh, I mean, it would have been like straight line. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of tweets about it. If that was the case this week. Um, All you need is a few high profile people to make that connection. And we'll be seeing a tweet about it soon. While we're talking about that, Alan, you said people didn't like the movie. Like you said, critics liked it, but the media doesn't. Is that what you're talking about? There was a lot of fear about what this movie was going to spark in the miladies of the world. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point of the movie, though. Like, I mean, it gets real meta if we're talking about it through that lens. Joker's appearance on the TV sparks basically that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like. It does so it it doesn't pull its punches with a lot of its social commentary. And it's just like, look, this is what's going on. It doesn't. And the thing is, I think it's such a mainstream movie yeah. that it kind of scares some people. Sure. Like, what if there is an uprising from a Joker movie? Like, I don't think there has been. I haven't no. seen anything on the news. <laughs> um but I think there's I I can see where the fear comes from because of everything that happened in 2012 with the Dark Knight Rises in Colorado. Yes. Yes. To the point where they didn't show this movie at that theater, which was a oh, good which, wow. which was a good call on the good theater and Warner Brothers part. Um yeah. but yeah, I can I don't know. Like it it, it I don't want to get too political, but a lot of the debate that I saw was like, what is the responsibility of the filmmaker and of Joaquin Phoenix for doing this movie in this climate? And was this, is it their responsibility to take that into account? I don't think it is their responsibility. It's no. at, the, at the end of the day, it's a movie. It's made, right. it's made for entertainment purposes. And it's an yeah. art form. Yeah. It's like, art. right. It's art, which that's the point of, like, I mean, part of the point of art is to reflect you know, whoever's making it. And if the person who's making it wants to reflect social commentary of what's going on right now and just set it in the 70s, then that's what this movie is. I find the whole hysteria about this, and I'm pretty sure you guys kind of feel the same way about this after seeing the movie. Um, I feel like some of the, like, media attention of it being, like, sensitive to a point or people being worried about this or that or worried about this movie setting people off i mean uh the purge movies uh uh the movie falling down that was made right after the los angeles riots you've got a ton of movies that are a lot more hard-hitting than this one and a lot more disturbing than this one and they didn't get this kind of attention when it came out I really feel like it's because of what happened in Colorado. I really feel like that's the only really thing that's building the fire of the controversy around this movie. 
and even knowing more about what happened in Colorado, that it's still kind of like, once you know it, it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Still still not showing it in the theater, though, is a good move, simply yeah. because of what yes. happened. I agree. Okay. Out of respect. We've got to wrap this up. Yeah. So any oh, final yeah. thoughts? I've got two fun trivia facts to end it on a lighter note, but if you guys got anything else, no. now's the time. I, it, was ama- it was an amazing performance. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. Um, out of the well, okay, what letter grade would we give this if we're grading it like a paper? A plus. A plus. Ryan, have me go last. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd give it a solid B plus. Okay. Ryan, just a B. Just a B. Just a B. Oh. Okay. I was really hoping Alan was going to go A plus two and I was going to be uh, that I was going to be A minus F <laughs> just as a joke, but a B, a, a solid B. OK. Yeah. yeah. All right. So two fun facts to end this on and then we're out of here. OK, so I don't know if you paid attention to the credits at the end. OK, I guess I have three, cre- no. three, three, three fun facts. So this movie is produced by Rocket Raccoon. What? Bradley Cooper is credited as a producer on this. Wow. Because him and Todd Phillips work together on the Hangover movies. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, so they're buddies, so they worked on this together. So technically, Rocket Raccoon is a producer on this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good. They also saved the DC logo for the very end of the film. At the end of the credits. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And they cut out the whole Justice League opening thing to that as well which doesn't really really fit this movie anyway and then the last thing that i'm going to end on is the font used for the robert de niro show like the text behind him and all the text that they use that font is the same exact font from batman the animated series like if you look at the look at the title sequence to that that's the same exact font i really like that yeah Cool. That's a, cool, a, cool, a cool, cool little fact. Cool little Easter yeah. egg. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's all we've got on Joker. This is a yeah. bonus episode for this week. Taking, <laughs> place of our, taking the release slot of our regular, regularly scheduled episode, which will be coming later on this week, where we continue our yeah. horror-themed Halloween month, which I guess this one still kind of fits in. So I say it fits about as well as John Wick. Yeah. Because people are going to be going as the Joker for Halloween as well. So yeah, they will. that's our justification. Nailed Not it. that we have to justify ourselves. But we, <laughs> we, but we can. And that's what matters. <laughs> so for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And that's life. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April. Shot down in May. But I know I